Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy So So. In case you ain't know, So, and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, Messi brings a first trophy to Inter Miami CF. The Marlins are still battling for their wild card spot. The Dolphins and Tua get a victory on the road in Houston, and we got fireworks in UFC 292. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. Back, baby, in back. the building. Back like we never left. It's good to see you, doggy. Definitely gonna gotta rely on spotty Wi-Fi in a hotel. Yeah. Sorry about last week, everybody, but I got it a happens. job, man. I gotta pay for this yeah. equipment somehow. It happens, man. It happens. We're working on sponsorships, right, to get it cracking. Shout out to Noku. Hey, no free ads, but yo, this stuff is no free ads, but woo wee. They sent your boy a case. And uh, yeah, it got me and Joel right, definitely for this podcast. I'm, yeah. I feel like caffeinated the right way. Yeah, we actually uh, rambled on uh, on the mic for a good like ten minutes. A conversation Didn't about if is recording. Fat Joe underrated or not led to us talking about Biggie and Puff and the whole rap game. I don't even know. So. If you think that Fat Joe is an underrated rapper. Drop a comment on the YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Drop a comment. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts. It's good to see you, doggy. Yeah, man. Likewise, doggy. Um, bro, it's been uh, an exciting weekend, right? We got a lot of stuff happening. A um, couple of ups, a couple of downs, but a lot, a, lot, a lot of good things to look at and look forward to as well. Uh, we got to start with the main man of Miami. That's Lionel Messi. Oh, yeah. That guy. That guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. <laughs> He's kind of popular. Uh, I may have. Yeah, I may have. This dude, man, um, you know, Inter-Miami CF has really been on a rocket ship, you know, since he landed here, bro. And and it's incredible to see how much pool one person has. But it's it, it's not too crazy to think about it when you look at, at who it is. It's messy. And in this game, in his element, this guy is just able to pull things out, you know, at whatever time, doesn't matter circumstance. Like, it's, he's just a, a legit phenom dog to watch this guy play a game he walks around for most of the game dog but when he moves and he's running and he has control of the ball the 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 attention that he deserves like the 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 way that he impacts the game and makes everybody focus in on him i don't i don't think i've ever really seen that dog uh especially on a soccer pitch i've seen it in other sports right where where one guy can dominate the attention of the entire audience but Messi does it at a different level, man. And um, in this game, he he didn't leave any doubt as to his abilities. He scored a wonderful goal uh, to put Inter Miami up in the League's Cup final that they were facing Nashville in. In Nashville. And everybody was booing Messi every time he touched the ball, booing us. And I think the team fed off of that, bro, because they kind of looked like they were playing to... Th- they're like above their standards if that makes any sense because if you think about it those guys were just the same guys that they were before Messi got here but when you when you're playing with world-class players by your side a Messi a Busquets a Jordi Alba right uh a Yedlin a guy who's played for the U.S. in, in World Cup games um Joseph Martinez all these dudes these are guys that have certain type of experience right and, and they're able to control the moments in the game and it seems like everybody else on the squad has really risen to that level. You know, I mentioned some of the guys there, but they've really stepped up and not let Messi just carry them to every game, just carry them throughout it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it kind of looks like they're supporting Messi. It's not like they're just waiting for Messi to do everything and they're just hanging back. Well, Messi is leading the charge. Right. It definitely, there's no no doubt about that. I mean, he's only played, been with us less than... What double digit games? I think yeah. he's still single single digit games played. Seven games, and he's already the top three goal scorer in the club history with ten goals. Wild, or, or is that number two already? He surpassed number three already. He's still number three. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, that's not obviously it's not saying much about Inter Miami. The team was dead last. Five wins, five wins on the year. Still a new young team. Um, but I mean, I talked about this before. Messi, you know, put on the uniform that you know when I asked you, I was like, name me the best player in MLS. So I know this is not an MLS, you know, it's another tournament or whatnot, but right. it, it, unless it's like a big global tournament or it's a premier league or yeah, something like, like that, champions league, something like that. I mean, I'm always going to look at the competition as subpar, you yeah. know, now, as far as 
Messi having an impact around the players around him. Absolutely. I think we have seen that he's leading the charge, having a positive impact on the players and they're yielding the results that they and everybody want, which is wins. And yeah. th this was an impressive one. It wasn't the easiest one. You know, Messi did go up early and everybody thought game's over. Right. Nashville's a good team and we're there for a reason. And they put up a fight, and this game ended up having to go into PKs. Yeah, because they scout, they actually equalized the game, <clears throat> you know, off a corner kick, and were able to get enough bodies in there to to kind of confuse the defense a little bit, left an open man, and he was able to just tap it in right within maybe three yards of the goal. But yeah, you know, you mentioned the competition. The MLS is rising in competition, and and Messi came out and said it himself, like you know, you got to look at this the this league as its infancy. Yeah, it's been around for 10 plus years, but that's nothing compared to how long La Liga has been around in the Premier League and, you know, all these other high-level European uh, leagues have been around for. So the MLS is still kind of like a baby. But there are bits and pieces that you look at and you're like, man, a lot of these guys are good, you know? And, and, and I've even seen it where in the recent transactions, you know, there are teams from the Premier League, from La Liga, from... Um, Serie A, buying U.S. players or players from the MLS and sending them over there to Italy or sending them over there to France or whatever. That lets you know that there is talent here. It's just not in abundance, yeah. right? Yeah, there definitely is a lesser level of play that you yeah. can expect, yeah. you know, from any of the games that he's playing in. But again, you know, they're still professionals. I don't want to take it away from that. They'll, you know, they're still great, talented people, but... They're they're not the best in the world that he's competing with that he's used to competing with that he's been yeah, playing against sure. since he was fourteen years old. So I expected that is my whole point of saying all that is like I kind of expected this. I don't know a whole lot about soccer. You obviously know more than me, but <laughs> as an outsider, knowing already the the lore that is Lionel Messi mm -hmm. and everything he's been able to do, and then most recently what he was able to do, capping off his career already, you know, with with the World Cup victory for his country. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, man, I expected the best player in the world to literally come in here and Ted Lasso this shit. I hear you, man, but soccer's a little bit different, right? Because you're playing with 10 other guys. It's a lot of dudes on a field. I get in that. In a big field. There's not one guy that Messi has faced in seven games that can guard him. Bro, true, but true that, or false? But we can say that about any European league that he's played in. I don't know. I, I mean, no, no, you, no. you he, can't he, say that about Chico, anybody Chico. In, in that he's played against in... Anybody. You, you can put the world's best defender up there and, sure. and look at the numbers that Messi has put up on him and it's going to be comparable. I, I get that. That's like saying like, well, my whole argument is, you know, there, there's like uh, putting PJ Tucker on LeBron or KD. Yeah. And then there's putting Joel Anthony For on sure. one of those guys. PJ Tucker's going to at least slow them down a little bit more. Yeah, but you, you know you what? what? You get what I'm yeah, saying? 100%. But you know what? LeBron James is still averaging 32 on PJ Tucker. Totally understand. I get that. Lionel Messi is... And then when he's facing Joel Anthony, he's averaging 36. So that's what we're seeing now, right? right? That's my that's my point. That's, like, there's... And, and it, I, like, it's just... But, and it's like, he's going to have a field But it's not day. a big dip, is what I'm saying. It's not a big dip. Especially because it's... 10 guys focusing on Messi. So you don't need a, a great one-on-one -on -one defender. You you defend in soccer by guarding zones and guarding areas, right? So you don't necessarily man-mark the entire game. Sure. Okay. So it's a little bit different as far as limiting the, the chances that Messi can get. And he didn't have a lot of chances in that game. He made the most out of his one chance. They Disgusting. didn't pass him the ball when he called for it. He just continued in the play and got to the top of the key. The ball just happened to come up on him. And then once he got it, he was like, I don't know what to do with this. Dribble left, dribble left, shot, perfect shot, in the corner. Nobody's touching this. Here's a golasso. Everybody came so to see nasty, it. Dog. Just so nasty. But Nashville fought back. And even in fighting back, the team withstood the defensive pressure right, that they were being put on by Nashville to keep the game a tie, right, and make sure that they can perform and help Messi. It's, it's not carry us, Messi. It's we're going to help you. You go do your thing. And that's what exactly what happened because in this League's Cup final, there's no extra time. It's just straight penalty kicks. And Messi stepped up and knocked the first one down. But guess what? Every single player that stepped up after him made their kick. And... That shows you, again, they're following his leadership. I feel extra confident about taking this penalty kick because that guy back there at the half line 
feels confident in me taking this penalty kick. So it's it's just amazing to see the impact on the field, bro. Because even though it is MLS and it is notice, noticeably weaker competition, it's still a team effort. And these guys are all in, dog. These guys are all in. Even the goalie, man, who ended up scoring the the winning goal, right? Kick a hard ass kick over the go- their goalkeeper. He went out there and blocked the goalie's kick, and he and he blocked two penalty kicks, as a matter of fact. So. It's, it's, it's incredible to see how much this team is really helping Messi. And Messi recognizes that because when they were going to celebrate, he gave the captain's armband back to Yedlin, who was the original captain. Yeah, he also refused to hoist the tro- trophy without him. Without him, you know what I mean? He was like, nah, man, this is your team. I just got here. Yeah, I'm here. I'm a part of it. Let's rock together. And that's what it looked like. A team that's ready to rock together. So... The Ooh. funniest moment to me was after when they're celebrating in the locker room and the guy that just won the World Cup this year, he's like, bro. In the corner chilling. You think I care? But he's on his phone, bro. Like, he was like. 44 for me, papa. Bro, he didn't care at all. Nah. Like, not not even a little grain, bro, about yeah. that trophy, bro. It's a funny thing. Nah, like, man. this guy, he's the GOAT, bro. He's the GOAT. Like, he just does what he wants, you know, at his will. He 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 can win. He can come back. But you I, know, I, he, I think, he does it all in an impressive fashion too. It's it's all like just boisterous and crazy. His goals, like you gotta love everything that's going on right now, dog. And I think that for a long time in his career, right, because he is such a, a winner, I think that he's lost the taste for trophies. It's not necessarily about the trophy. It's about the journey, the the camaraderie. You know, getting this guy his trophy or this guy into winning or the proving moments. that you know that this guy can play in this form or we can co- do it with this coach or with this player. I think that's what it's about for Messi, and it's been like that for a while because he's won so many trophies. He's won every single fucking Everything. trophy. He's won it all. Forty four trophies, dog. Like, come on, man. How man. many? How many ballon? Whatever. Oh, is? he has like eight of them or seven. I don't know. Get out of here. He can't stop winning them. Is yeah. what I'm saying. That, that's that's why. Like, you look at that video. and It was like I feel him. Like, I mean, I don't feel him, but like I can see that. You know what I mean? Like, you're not there. Like, popping champagne with your with the guys in the locker room. You're just you've been there. Yeah, for sure. And 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 here's what I can see, right? And we talked about this previously, but now I think we're we're even more at that level with Messi and Inter Miami CF. These guys are really gonna make a playoff push and get into the playoffs. All like, right, give me give me an update. We last I mean? time two weeks ago, I think this was we were twelve points behind the last spot in the playoffs. Yeah, we're still in we're still in the last spot, right? We're still in the last spot. What's the gap? Uh but the gap is nine points. Mm. That's three games, three wins. And, and, and for me, when you have, what, six out of your next 11 MLS games at home, you're feeling really good about your chances because you obviously plan on winning those games and getting those points. But when you're on the road, you're looking to tie. And we've, we've seen this team magically win games or put themselves in a position where they can either score points or, or walk away with the win or push it into extra time, whatever the case. This team has a real belief about himself. They really believe in the coach. He's putting these players in, in good positions where they're able to create. It's not like Messi's going, having to go out there and score four goals a game in order for Inter Miami to win. No, the, the ball is moving. Guys are getting assists. The, the passing is, has been really great. I think they have all of the little intangibles and, and things that you would need in order to make a big push like that, man. Um, their next game is Wednesday. Um, they're going to be playing in the U.S., open cup which is strictly for the for teams inside the usa from all different soccer leagues it's not only mls it's uh usml which is the national league as well so there's like three different organizations that are u.s leagues that make up that u.s open cup and in miami is playing on wednesday are you gonna go to the uh, trophy unveiling on wednesday i'm thinking about it next week dog uh, well actually if i won't be here dog i'll be in dr wow yeah, yeah. I'd rather time. be there. I'd rather be there, too. I'd rather be unveiling that trophy. <laughs> hey, oh, man. All right, well. But I'll be watching it. That's yeah, for damn yeah, sure. No doubt. Well, uh, all I got to say is, with Messi, anything is possible. Anything I is mean, possible. We've seen bro. it already. I mean, forget about it, bro. We, we, can, we can definitely do this with Messi. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and like I said, I really feel confident in how the team is playing right now. I don't think that they're really depending on Messi. A lot of these guys are playing for themselves and, and for the ability to do what they can do. And I think that the sky is the limit. 
I wouldn't be surprised that as we follow this team in their MLS journey, I wouldn't be surprised that they make the playoffs, dog. And then we're talking about another Miami team in the playoffs, making a playoff run with a serious chance to win more trophies. Come on, man. That's what we do down here. In Play, playoff teams. Playoff teams. We, we only want to talk about playoff teams. That's it. That's it. Now, let's talk about another potential playoff team. We're talking about the Miami Marlins here. Potentially. Potentially being another team that makes the playoffs. Are they going to be able to do that? 64 and 61 on the season, still third in the NL East. What do you think is going to happen with this Marlins team, dog? Because we've kind of been up and down a lot more than what we have been in the first half of the season. I don't know shit about fuck. <laughs> I, I mean, I uh, hate the Marlins is what he's saying. dog. I love the Marlins, dog, especially I've been, you know, the games I've been to this year have been great games, you know, games. games that we've come from behind to win, you know, very enter- entertaining and, and um, very telling of what our team is capable of. Yeah, facts. But they are very inconsistent at the moment, you know, compared to to the first half of the season um, last week, uh, since we last got together and talked, then they lost two straight series already back to back. That's not good when you're trying to make a playoff push. Absolutely not, man. And then when you think about it, it's not even the playoff push It's it's what you're putting yourself into, right? Because now you're, you're talking about instead of being in the driver's seat or as close to the driver's seat, now you're in the mix and being in the mix is ultimately what we wanted. Yep. Right. In, in the beginning of the year, which is great. But now that we're in the mix, it doesn't feel that great because you're, you're looking at the other teams and you're like, fuck, man, like any of these teams can really pop off and, and, and catch heat and really get a, and, and, and make themselves available to that wild card spot. Right. Cincinnati's there. We're tied with them. Arizona's there. We're tied with them. Um, Chicago's still ahead of us by a game. San Francisco and Philadelphia are holding on the wild card spots. But those are tough teams. And, and for us to beat them. It is possible, but we need to be playing our best type of ball, right? It can't be like, oh, we're going, kind of going through it like we are right now. No, we need to see really good performances here. And, and this shit kind of sucks, man, because the one game that I did watch over the weekend was Yuri Perez pitching. This dude pitched oh, phenomenal. fucking lights out, dog. Record, record setting performance. Dog, lights out, six inning pitch, 10 strikeouts. Out of the 90 pitches he threw, he threw 60 strikes, my dog. I saw I saw the Marlins posted. He was the first player to do that since I think who was the last person? Shoot, it's probably the kid, dog. It's probably Jose nah, Fernandez. Nah, I think it was like in all the major league baseball. It wasn't just in Marlins franchise history. I'm just, a, I'm gonna look it up right it now. It just shows you, dog, that this kid is the real deal. Only gave up two hits, and then I'm thinking to myself, like, yo, why the fuck did we even waste time with this guy and, and sending him back down when this guy could have been putting up? Quality performances. Who is it? All right. So it said uh, Yuri Perez struck out a career high 10 batters today at the Dodgers, becoming the youngest pitcher to record double digit strikeouts in a game since Seattle's Felix Hernandez. King King Felix struck out 11 batters in 2005. Nasty. Nasty. Talking this is over 15 years now. Yeah. So that that kid, I mean, to be in that same conversation, I mean, at least just in a stat in a stat category. With the stuff. Felix Hernandez. I mean, that's very... Very good. Very telling that he has the stuff. So it, it boggles the mind to see why the fuck the Marlins would ever even consider saying, yeah, let's send this kid back down. Like that, there's there's no, there was no need for that. And it, and it severely affected this team and the momentum that we had. It definitely did. Because now look at us. We're barely a 500 team. In our last 10 games, we've gone five and five. We've lost back-to-back series. And now, like I said in the beginning of the, the, the session, you know, we're, we're back to being uh, in the mix, quote unquote, team when we could have been one of those teams that's in the driver's seat or at least right behind the driver's seat. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what this this front office was thinking, but they definitely didn't do the right move here. And caught in sending back Yuri. I don't know. Though. I mean, I know during that time, you know, we sent Yuri down. We brought back Cueto. Yes. And then there was other things. So I don't know if it had to do with that. And then them saying, hey, let's rest the guy because he's young and da 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 da. We don't want to, you know, hurt, you know, hurt or compromise our young, you know, potential stud. Uh, I don't know if those things all came into play. But, yeah, we, we definitely are a better team when we have him in the rotation. Yeah, for sure. And, and But what, I'm, what, I, what I think it really does, Joel, Doug, and how it hurts the Marlins is it just it throws off the, the vibe, 
that you need to have in baseball. You know, it's a clubhouse with 50 dudes. Like, all those dudes needs to have, like, some type of brothership, you know what I mean? Like, brotherhood, and really be bought in into what the mission is. And sometimes when you have a young stud that's pitching or a young infielder that's playing well or a guy who's battling for the batting crown, like, those things motivate the group, and guys get inspired by that. And you see that, and they feed off that energy. But when you ha- when, when you send that player away, and then this guy starts doing bad, you lose that magic. You lose that presence in the locker room. And, and that happens to take away from what happens on the field. Yeah. Now, granted, we've seen good performances here and there. Sandy's had a good game here and there. Um, uh, what's his dude's name? Braxton Gary has pitched well here, and then a lot farther there. But it hasn't been something that... We've seen like the first half of the season where it was consistent, where you saw the back-to-back-to-back series win, and you saw the back-to-back-to-back games winning. Now we hardly ever get that, and I think it's because we lost that momentum when we sent down Yuri. Now, can they get it back? Yes. If he keeps pitching like this, I think we can get it back, but we need somebody else rather than fucking Bell, Josh Bell to show up with the bats. Josh Bell's a beast, bro. He's a beast. Josh Bell had a home run on the other day, no? Yep. <clears throat> Let me see. Yeah. He's he's up this tally to six home runs in the month of August. Damn. That's Killing nice. it. Killing it, killing it. Um, I mean, uh, the other thing, so you know, too, we ha- we've been, we have we've had a lot of road games. We were struggling on yeah. the road, man. Yeah, we're, we're struggling on them, and that's what we're seeing. You know, we can come home and we can get into these dog fights where maybe we're losing, but we come back and all that. But we're not really seeing that on the road. You know, no. it's, it's kind of few and far between. And and that right there is, even if we manage to to you know sniff the wild card, if these other guys struggle and then we get you know some momentum going. With that stat line of you know struggling on the road, I don't know what our record is, but I'm sure it's not favorable. That's not that's not it's twenty-seven some, and thirty-four. It's not something I feel very confident, even if we were to make the playoffs. Yes, but I think that I think that like some of that could have been avoided had we not sent down Yuri right around the all-star break. Because if you think about it, that's when we really started to lose games. You look at the right, schedule. Right, right before, two weeks right before. We right before that, we started we started to lose games, right? And then the second half of the season started, and we go on that terrible losing streak. So now, yeah, a lot of those were road games. We were at Baltimore, at St. Louis, then we headed to Tampa Bay, and then we went to the Rangers, and then we went to Cincinnati. Now we went to L.A. So, uh, to L.A. All of those were losses when we were on the road That's because we— but but it's not because we were playing terrible. I don't think it was because we were playing terrible. No. I think we were in a funk and we never got out of that funk. You know, and like I said earlier, man, baseball is a game of like vibes, chemistry. You know what I mean? Happenstance. We see it. We saw it with the Yankees, with the dumb Red Sox, with the Tampa Bay. Like those guys find a formula and it works and it only makes sense to the guys in the clubhouse. But that's the energy you need to have in order to have that come out on the field in winning fashion, yeah. which is what the Marlins had, and now we lost it, and now we're trying to regain it. And, but things are trending positive, you know what I mean? I don't want to make this too bad for all the Marlins yeah, there, fans. There's guys that are playing well, you right. know, that are still playing well. Uh, Jorge Soler was over 30 it. home runs on the year for us. It. So, you know, that's what we brought that guy in for to do, and he he's doing it. Um, Josh Bell, like you just mentioned, we just a guy we just acquired pretty much right at the deadline. Yep. Six home runs in just a month of August alone. I mean, I don't know how many he has on the season already, but just six for us already in this month alone is like, it's we're getting a return on the guy. Yeah. Luis Araez is, you know. Still doing his thing. Biden 357. I mean. Still doing his thing. That's, that's, that's that amazing. Doesn't, that doesn't get enough attention, in my opinion. Hell talked no. about enough. Like, that should be constantly talked about but I, I get it you know you're you're getting you know you get so much that it's like all right you know you're just kind of expecting now from kind of like Messi scoring a goal yeah. so but but I, I think it's our pitching man you know it, would you say that you know is it the pitching or, or are we lacking on the hitting I think it's I think it's the pitching for sure Joel because if we look at the hitting right what did we talk about in the beginning of the season we needed one guy to go over 25 home runs we got that. Jorge Soler has been killing it. 32 home runs on the season. We don't even have another guy in the 20s, I think. So, yeah. We we got the home run power there. Everybody else has contributed. We have five guys in double figures, right? With 10 or more home runs. Cool. Then we looked at, like, all right, who's going to be the guy who drives in runs? All right, we, ha- we have that guy who hits the home runs, but we also need guys to bat, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh to hit doubles. Do we got that? Yup. We've seen Hor- uh, Soler hit. 
Uh, Luis Arias has obviously been doing great when it comes to RBIs. Um, Brian De La Cruz has hit a lot of timely hits, right? He had a great first half of the season. Um, shit, even Jesus Sanchez, he's played well when it comes to bringing runners in. So we have the guys bringing runners in. And more importantly, we have the guys available to get on the base. So we were covered pretty much on everything that we asked for offensively. What we looked for is some type of stability in the pitching. And we never even got that, dog, because we were relying on Sandy coming back and, and, and winning games for us. Guy has, what, six wins on the season. Six and ten, Sandy Young winner. Six and ten. Like, I get it that some of the games have been on, on us blowing it. Yeah. But a lot of the games has been him putting himself in bad positions as well. And not being able to come out of it. And and he started off, you know, kind of in the funk. And we attributed to that to, well, you're coming off a Cy Young year. You're, you're doing interviews. You're the guy. You're moving around. You're not training as much. He'll get into the groove of things once it's the season. We'll, we'll talk to me. You know, before, we, we can't solely put it on him. It's, you know, partially due to closers. But give me some stats. You got anything on Sandy that would justify us saying he's underperforming this year? He's given up 153 hits. That's big. That's a lot, right? He's given up 20 home runs this season. Right with forty-one walks versus uh, against one hundred and forty-one strikeouts, so he's already given up more hits than than strikeouts that he's gotten. Not something that Sandy normally does, you know. Has a terrible ERA for the season, um, just just not Sandy like. And it, and that would be bro if if we were talking about T. Raw, Braxton Gary, Lazardo, whoever, anybody but Sandy would be like whatever is. We can't really depend on this guy or whatever. But these are stats of of a former Cy Young winner, dog. Current. Like, he's the reigning. Yeah, I get it. But, like, you should be better than that. 100%. Because even if if you were on a bad team, dog, you would go out there. And and look, we've seen him do it where he goes nine innings, complete game, pitch is amazing. But we've also seen him go four innings, give up four runs, and be like, fuck, you just gave up three home runs in three innings. A team that I think we played recently, Houston Astros, right? Yep. One of the lit him up. When I saw they had Verland there on the mound, I was like, "We're done. We're done here." <laughs> and we got cooked that day. Cooked. So what was, what was that score? I'm gonna look that up right now. If you if you look at the the pitching staff, Joel, that's the biggest weakness, right? Jesus Lazardo is leading the team with eight wins, and he's eight and eight on the season. So we got a 500 pitcher being our highest winner. Then you look at a guy like Braxton Garrett, who's pitched well in a majority of the games, but he's not a front of the rotation guy. He's more of a like middle to the back rotation guy. But he's seven and four on the season. How does that guy have one more win than fucking Sandy Alcantara? Yuri Perez has five wins, and he missed a month of Major League Baseball. Yeah. The problem is in the pitching staff. Yeah. And we saw it get fixed because we, we had A.J. Puck have a bunch of blown saves and blown games. We brought in Robinson. He was a little shaky at first, but he's been solid ever since then. And now we get nothing. So, I don't know, man. I, I thought the problem was going to be the offense, but it's obviously not the offense. It has to do with the pitching, and I don't know how we're going to fix it. Though. I don't I don't know if it self-corrects. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I was gonna, you know, bring up that that game against Verlander, but Verlander didn't even do that great that game. He we hit him up, pitched five innings. He had nine hits, four earned runs. Uh, didn't really have great game, and and our final score was twelve to five. Um, so what does that tell you? I mean, that tells you that they at least have a bullpen that can bounce their ace back when he's having an off night. Yeah, man. we don't have that. We really. don't have that. We you don't know? have that. If Sandy's off, that. we're just kind of doomed. We don't have anybody uh, even in that, that can kind of bounce back. I mean, that's kind of what I'm seeing here. Chico, ERA they put over up six four runs dog. up in the seventh inning. Doggy, that's, ERA over four, over four, dog. Let me Sign see, man. Winner. Who pitched for us that day? Nah, Lazardo nah, pitched nah, that nah, day. Nah, Three three innings he pitched. No, 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 no. No, no, it's a mess. It was a mess that night, bro. There's no consistency. No, no, no. And pitching. It was a mess that night. I don't even want to talk about that. Anyways, um, yeah, we'll keep an eye on it, man. We got to start winning series. We got to start winning series, especially with all these other teams that are about to get hot. So, that's all. Sandy just has to be better, dog. And, And again, I'm looking at his last five games, dog. He's given up at least five hits or more in every single game, giving up at an average of about 2.5 to three runs, um, averaging about six to seven strikeouts, which is good. Walks are low, but he's given up a home, uh, three home runs in two appearances twice. Mm. That's not the same Sandy, man. 
That's not the same Sandy. And if he's not going to be right or or at that high level, it's going to be tough for the Marlins to get the playoff spot. Yeah. Everything else is working, dog. We got a bunch of hitting. We have enough, more than enough hitting. We need to solidify that pitching somehow, some way, dog. Big facts. Let's see. Let's see what they can do, bro. Let's see what they can do, man. Let's flip on over to another Miami team that we got down south that they're getting yeah. ready to start their season. They're in the middle of preseason. We just saw them beat the shit out of Houston, 28-3 to in Houston. Um, Did you watch Tua, the game? Did you watch the game? I saw the first couple of plays. Okay. So oh. you, you would have seen Tua's first I saw throw. first the interception. Let's talk about it. That's the elephant in the room right now. Everybody keeps asking me, what do you think about Tua's first throw being an interception? I think that it was obviously a miscommunication. Obviously. You know what I mean? And that shit happens in the NFL. Preseason or not. I'm not forgiving the interception, but... That's what the fuck that preseason is for, man. Yeah. Get those things out of the way and minimize those mistakes as muchly as possible. I was just telling a coworker today, like, when was the last time that a, a QB who was really, really good had under 10 interceptions on a season? Get out of here. It's the NFL, dog. Things happen. Yeah, we definitely don't want them, you know, to, um, to make bad decisions and give up easy ones. For sure. But um, if you watch the game... You would you would have seen that our defense. I mean, the fact that we had starters that many starters playing. There was a lot of guys that weren't playing, but there was a lot of guys that were playing, including Brad Chubb. Right. Um, and if you saw our defense stepped it up, even though they had a short field, they were right there. We we stopped them. We didn't let them Cold put up any points with their starting squad. Got the ball back, turnover on downs, and then Tua led a drive the length of the field, and we we scored a touchdown. And that's what bothered me. Joel, the fact that anywhere that you saw on social media or even people who were covering the game besides Goldie, who was doing the radio call, um, nobody else really talked about how good Tua looked in that drive. Yeah, I'm talking nobody. about it. Sports no, no, no. Social's talking about yeah, it, baby. we are, because we, we recognize these things as a football elevated mindset type program, right? Yeah, That's a Dolphins fan base Yeah, but even, even if we were watching a regular game, we would have been able to see that. Let's say we're not Dolphins fan and we are watching that game. We look at that drive and be like, fuck, that QB had a hell of a drive. That guy was on fire. Have to look at it like that. And a lot of people don't. They, they want to focus on tools, mistakes, and the issues that, that he has here and there. But in my eyes, I think that... That next drive just showed how comfortable that relationship is between McDaniel and Tua yeah. and how much better it's getting because of how they're able to call plays and, and, and attack the defense and have that same mindset. So I think and we saw it was beautiful. We saw a little bit of everything, which was awesome. You know, 14 plays, mm -hmm. 93 yards. Uh, went three for three on third downs. Yep. So keeping Super the chains moving. We saw everybody, you know, incorporated uh, at the running back position. We had um, Raheem Mostert who started the game, but he was backed up by Salvin Ahmed as well as the the, the rookie Devin uh, A Chain. Yep. Um, who ultimately got hurt. He's day to day right now, with, week to week right now with okay, a shoulder injury. Back. I hope he bounces back. I got high hopes for the rook. Really like what I saw from him there. I like him too. But it was I, hard. But I also like what I saw from the other guys as well. I also like the fact that we're running the ball. Yes. McDaniels even talked about it in one of the interviews on the sideline. He's like, hey, you know, we're, we got a little bit of a different look this year. You know, we're not mm -hmm. looking to pass right away. We're looking to run the ball. And, and we're seeing that, you know, whether or not we're going to see that come to fruition in the regular season is yet to be determined. But if the preseason is any indication for, you know, what's to come, this is something that we were yelling about, you know, till we were blue in the face last year. Yeah. We wanted to get the ball on the ground more. At least we need to make the attempt to go 40, 35 to 40 attempts between all the running backs in a game. That should be our goal. Maybe we have a guy who gets closer to 20 carries by himself, depending on the day and, and who's doing really well. But as, as if we're going to do a running back by committee, which is kind of what we have, then you're looking up to have between 35, 33 to 40. Because then that allows you to dominate the game. You're dominating pace of play. You're dominating the time clock. You're just dominating the game and, and the, the momentum of the game. Yeah. Here's a question I got for you. I'm sorry. Were you going on to? I was going to go on to something. Go for it. We had 38 carries in that game. Yeah. So that commitment to the run is what allowed the offense and Skyler Thompson to look really good because we had control. We can call the plays that we wanted to, and we could attack the defense with our, at our own pace without being rushed or feeling rushed to score or something like that. What were you going to say? No, I was going to ask you. So, you know, we've seen already through two preseason games. 
four out of the five running backs currently on our roster. Yep. Um, and not, there's probably even more, but you know the the five guys that I'm referring to are Jeff Wilson Jr., Raheem Mostert, Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed, and uh, now the rookie Devin. Um, who is who not it? making this team? Because right now, I mean, I, I'll tell you from my perspective. I saw, you know, Miles Gaskin. He looked good last week. Had Real some great good. rushes. The rookie, really fast, really explosive. Had some good rushes this week. Mostert looks healthy. He ready looks to go. ready to go to be ready that to number, go. you know, one running back. Shout out to Mostert. Savin Ahmed looked fantastic Solid. as well. Twelve and ninety nine. I mean, Baba. he had the longest rush of the game uh, yeah, on Saturday. I think. I think it was 65, a sixty five yard 65. rush. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you know, that's five guys. Granted, not one of them by themselves is a bona fide superstar. But we got some really good pieces there, and if we got to cut this roster down, which you know ultimately has to happen when they get down to the 53-man roster, who are the odd men out? Well, let's see. We know that for sure Raheem's the number one, right? Even if it's by committee, he's still the number one. Uh, And then you got to kind of go with... You have to save a spot for Wilson, right? Because he's going to come back. He's out right now. He's going to come back. And then you really would want to have your rookie be a part of the team, right? Kid was a second, uh, third round pick or something like that, right? Fourth. You, you really want that kid to make the team. So, in my opinion, you kind of kind of put offers, feelers out there to see what you can get for a Gaskin, what you can get for a Ahmed. Not saying that I would want to get rid of those guys, but you have to maximize the youth that we have. And the potential that that's on that that it, in that running back, we don't know how long most is going to be here. I doubt he'll be here more than two years. Um, I doubt a Jeff Wilson will be here more than two years. I know for sure Devin's going to be here more than two years. So you kind of want to kickstart that that whole project off right now. You got to put the feelers out and see what you can get for Gaskin or for for Ovman. You know, maybe you get back a sixth, a seventh, a fifth, whatever. And, and you do it that way. But I think that those are the two guys that you look at as dispensable. Not because they're bad, because that you want to go a little bit younger, less, less, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? But less of a colluded backfield where there's so many people, not enough opportunities. You want Raheem to get 15 to 20. You want whoever's going to be his backup to get a solid 8 to 12, 15 in a game. You want, if you're ahead, to be able to put the kid in and, and say, Devin, we're going to give you all these carries, kill out the game. Those are the things that you want to see, or at least have the potential to do. So that's why I think that Ahmed or Gaskin ends up not making this team. I can see that. And, and out of those two, I mean, I think I'd rather keep Ahmed. I think so too. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. You can catch the ball. I like Gaskin, better. man. Gaskin's a great guy. He was our starting running back for, been a here for a while. You know what I mean? He's, he can catch, he can catch passes out of the backfield and everything. And, uh, has, still has some, you know, some good opportunity, but it's if, if we had to, and ultimately they're going to have to make those decisions, I, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But one thing I was thinking about, so we've been saying, calling him Devin the whole time. Is it Devin or Devon? I don't even know now. We're going to have to get him on the I show. I know it's it's is it, it's A-Chain, right? A-Chain is the last A-Chain, name? Yeah, yeah, but we're going to have to get him on the show. I don't know. Though. We got to figure out, I don't know if it's Devin or Devon, because it's D-E-V-O-N. I know that. Right, right. Um, so I'm not sure. I got to look see. into that. Let's see. I'm, I'm trying but to. I hope, he, I hope he gets healthy. I hope he comes back. Um, I think, you know, we got one more preseason game where we got to see, um, you know, we got to see what, what these guys can do. I think I think you're right about the RB1 situation. It's a matter of who's going to be falling in line behind that. And everything you said, I, I pretty much agree with. Look, right now, and this is only on the website, but right now, RB1, RB1A is Moser and Jeff Wilson Jr., right? Obviously. Um, and then after that, they have Gaskin and Offman. And then behind that, they have Chris Brooks and the rookie Devin. Devin or Devon. To be named later. Um, DA. We're going to call him call DA. DA. I honestly don't think that they don't give one of those positions to DA. And and they get rid of Gaskin yeah, or Robin. And, and I don't see those two guys. I mean, they've been in the league for a little while now being like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a practice squad spot. Like, right. No, those nah, guys, they those, those guys warrant a, a, a backup running back job. And, and I and 100% they deserve to get the shot. I agree. If I can get something in return for it, then I will definitely try to do that. Whether it's a six, fifth, seven, I don't care. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. I don't care. But here, here's the trade. Take them. You know what I mean? Rather than you get them free off the practice squad. Yeah. Even though you might get a conditional if they do end up signing him or whatever, but I'd rather just make the deal as clean as possible and say, hey, man, 
Good luck in your new future. The good news is that we have a good problem. We have a lot of talented guys in that backfield. Absolutely. We just got to figure out who we want to keep. Um, so we know we're solid there. Uh, Tua looked great, you know, even granted off that first play, he was able to recover well and have, a, you know, a, a great, you know, next uh, drive and, and few plays. And his backup, Skyler Thompson, you know, great game. I think he solidified himself as the backup. I think he's going to take that job over Mike White. I mean, we he talked deserves about, it. We talked about it a little bit, I think, on the OP run that we did. Yep, we I don't did. Think, Shout know, out that, to Mark. Shout out air, to you know, we, we gave our, our, our thoughts on who we saw. And, and I was a little taken back by the fact that Skylar Thompson wasn't given the, the starting job in the first preseason game while he was asked to come in in the second half. Um, well, but, you got to remember, they did sign Mike White to be the backup. So it was like, all right, let's see what you got. And I think that Skyler, just with the familiarity that he has with being on this team and knowing the guys, obviously he was able to have that advantage and, and took the most of it. Absolutely. And, and rightly so. Go out there and ball, dog. Earn yeah. that second spot. First play that they threw him in the game was a deep bomb. Yeah. Didn't yeah. connect, but they he's let him afraid. unload, and he, that kid's got an arm. Yeah, yeah. He's not afraid to, to sled it. To sling it. Um, but besides that, man, I mean, 13 for, what is it, 13, 15 for 22, 127 yards, and the biggest style line of them all, three touchdowns. touchdowns. Yep. Important, man. He knows. Again, I, I, I don't want to depend on him. But no, I don't, and no. I really don't. We've and seen, I, and I know he's not better than Tua, Marin. I know he's not better than Tua, right? So it's good to know that he's there in case I need him. Just be there. Yeah. Show it. it, it show it off. Let the teams call and say, "Hey, what do you want for Skyler Thompson? Call me." Call me all day. Fool me once. We saw Skyler Thompson do this in the preseason last year. Yes, had a sir. phenomenal showing his rookie year. And then, you know, we called upon him and he did all right. There was games where he did all right, but you can tell he wasn't ready for that moment. Who knows? Maybe he's more experienced now and he'll be ready for that tap on that, that tap on the shoulder. But yes, we're, we're, we're just comfortable with him being Tua's backup. If Tua needs to sit out a game or whatever the case may be, we're, we're not saying he's ready to be, you know, anything, yeah, sure. anything of a starting, you know, franchise quarterback. But yeah. he he looks good right now in his development. He's developing very nicely. Keep killing it in preseason against the twos and the yeah. threes and the fours. Yeah, Keep he, looks, he looks good, man. He looks real Keep good. Keep killing it. Uh, yeah, man. Dolphins next game. I think the last preseason game is Saturday, 7 p.m. Against Jacksonville in the home state before they come home and get ready for first game of the season against the Chargers. Oh yeah, um, bro, we got a we got a lot to look forward to, man. Not only is football gonna be officially back in a couple of weeks by the time I get back, um, but yeah, we'll have only fans fully kicked off. Um, the Dolphins will be winning, you know, one and zero already. So like. It'll be crazy. It's going to be such a crazy whirlwind. Hurricanes football is getting yeah, ready to start, too. Best time of the year is coming up, man. Football time. Ain't nothing High like expectations it, for that Hurricanes team, man. High expectations, in my opinion. Yeah, we may have to do something for everybody's like fantasy football, too. Everybody's bro. leaving the, the ACC. You yeah. know, things are happening. I mean, the Hurricanes need to figure something out. We need out. a good year. We need a, Mario needs a, a for real good year here in year two of the Crystal Ball era. And I think he's going to do it. Yeah, I think he's gonna do it. They need to. Um, well, we got we got some honorable mentions before we get out of here. Yeah, we got to talk about UFC 292, man. What a fucking banger, dog! A highly anticipated fight between champion Aljamain Sterling and number one contender Sugar Sean O'Malley. Wow, that fight really lived up to expectations because of it was very hyped up and people wanted to know like how the fight was going to end out because you had the best of the best in that bantamweight division at what they do. Like Sterling is a killer when it comes to his ground game. He's choked out how many, I don't know how many guys in his career and Sean O'Malley uh, on the other side has knocked fools out every single time he's put under the bright lights. So it was kind of interesting to see how this fight was going to shake out. And lo and behold, man, you know, sugar was able to catch Aljamain Sterling Walking into a right hand, and he just fucking dropped him, dog. It was beautiful. beautiful. That's all the comparisons of, you know, Conor McGregor and Josie Aldo, that fight when yes. he dropped him and all that. Very reminiscent of that. I mean, it, it was it was dope. There was a lot of, obviously, you know, they had a lot of bad blood going into the fight, whether it was showmanship or whatever. Right. But Aljo was calling him out and his path to the championship belt. There was questions already around Absolutely. Aljo being the champ himself and how he got his belt. So, you know, the, the, it was it was a lot of fireworks were expected in this fight, whether it, it, it was one way or the other. But I'm kind of glad it went in Sugar Sean's way because I always like to see a knockout versus somebody getting choked out. I don't yeah. know about you. For I, I, Honestly, for me, knockouts are super cool to see and shit like that. But I like the chokeouts because it takes a certain amount of work 
to get to that position and choke that person out. You know what I mean? Like that person is not willingly just being like, oh yeah, take my neck. And uh, not, you know what I mean? But I, I, As opposed I think the to, wow factor is greater when a knockout. Absolutely. Be- because they're both putting themselves in that danger zone, right? And it becomes almost like the unexpected and it, thing. And it's so quick. You can yes. kind of see a choke. Dev- I'll give you this. You know, I'm, I'm not a high level MMA guy by any means, but when, you, when, when I'm watching it with guys like Jesse, and right. he's like, oh shit. And I'm like, what's up? And he's like, see what he's doing right here and I'm like yeah he's like wait till you see the next thing that that's gonna lead to and I'm like what and I don't even see it coming and then boom and then boom it's like oh shit like that that kind of shit I, I can appreciate for sure but still man there's nothing like no, a crazy knockout, knockout you knockout. know at, at any weight level and O'Malley has that man even though they're bantamweight you know right. they, they, it was funny they skinny dudes they <laughs> after the fight um or after the weigh-in of the official way in Aljo had tweeted out. He was like, ah, nine pounds overweight, you know, over my, my, you know, walk my, around weight, you know, whatever the hell, uh, you know, this and that. And O'Malley was like, he just tweeted back, uh, like a picture of the scale that he was on. He was like 20 pounds over, like double that or something. He's like, yeah. bro, like, and I'm still going, you know what I mean? Like, so he, ha- like he, he's able to cut well, and it doesn't take a, too much of a toll on his body. It seems hell no. where he's still able to generate that power and knock fools out. Well, that's what makes Sean O'Malley such a dangerous fighter in that bantamweight division. He's a a big dude, dog. 5'11". He's a big dude. And he's fighting at 135. So, yeah, that weight cut is impressive as fuck. Even though you're walking around at 160, 170, which is really good shape for a dude who's 5'10", 5'11", yeah. right? But still, you're much bigger than everybody else pretty much in that division. And now, like, when you can carry that power in that type of division, you're a very formidable opponent because, yeah, dudes can wrestle and probably have a little bit better jujitsu than you and shit. But the fight starts standing up. So you'll have always that element on your side where you're like, if, as long as things are standing up, you know that you're probably going to land that punch that knocks Buddy out. And we have to also give credit to Sterling, right? He's been a champ champ, has defended that belt multiple times. I think this was his fifth or sixth title defense um, in a row. A guy who won the belt questionably, won it back, right? Won it legit and then defended it every single time after that. And he was willing to step up, step up and trade with Sean, right? A lot of dudes probably wouldn't have that in their game plan, but obviously Sterling had that belief that he could. And for the most part, he was able to stick and move with that, with that dude. But O'Malley just possesses that difference power, you know, that I'm going to make a difference if this touches you. And it did. And he caught Aljamain slipping, and he put him to sleep, dog. You know, he didn't really put him to sleep. Yeah, but like, he didn't really. They kind of called it, and Aljo, I think, was But kinda, he put him in la-la land because he hit him he, so hard he that kept, he went down, and he just immediately went to cover up. And he and he got off, I don't know how many more shots oh after that. God, it was like 10 or 12 shots. So, I, I mean, I definitely can see a rematch. You know, I don't know what the clause was or whatever they, these guys have. I don't know. You know, usually you got to give it to the next guy in line or however that works, but I can definitely see a rematch between these two guys down the road absolutely but the problem with the bantamweight is that there's so many dudes there that you can fight right like there's so many dudes um like a guy who fought that night cheeto cheeto vera uh dude who was a number one contender a couple of months ago has lost has been avenging all his losses you got um Adjaman sterling's training partner Devashi, I'm sure I'm killing his name, but his his first name is Marab. He's one of the best bantamweights. He might get a title shot. Uh, Henry Cejudo, he fights at that weight. You got Sugar there. Corey Sanhagen, who has looked good in his last two performances, he may be a guy who gets a title shot, right? Who's fought for a title before against Al Jermaine and lost. Um, you got the former champ, Peter Yan, and there, Sergio. Pe- like, there's a lot of dudes. There's a lot of dudes in that bantamweight division. I'm interested to see how the new rankings are going to come out later on this week and to see who can get that shot or who's going to sell the most pay-per-views against a guy like Sugar Sean O'Malley, man. Um, What an impressive fight, man. What an impressive fight. And that card really did have a lot of great fights. Um, We saw Wei Li. A hell of a knockout, too. A hell of a fucking win. Unanimous decision. She really beat the crap out of that... uh, um, What's her name? Uh, Lemos. She, uh, I forget her first name, dog. She won my decision. I thought it was knockout. Yeah, yeah, it was a decision. She knocked okay. her down. Okay, Boom. so it was Amanda, a- obviously another Brazilian lady named Amanda. Um, Lenos, I knew it was freaking something with a with an ace. So familiar, but whatever. Um, yeah, a credit to Amanda. She stood in there, but she had nothing. 
Nothing for Zhang Wei Li, man. Nothing. That lady is gonna really rule that division, that strawweight division for a while, man. And um, there was one other cool thing that happened. Um, I mentioned Cheeto Vero winning. That was cool. Um, but on the last fight of the undercard, Chris Weidman made his return to the UFC. He had broke his leg in that terrible accident. He kind of broke his leg on a kick. Looked really bad. It was one of the deaths. I'll Against show you. Anderson Silva? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember that? That was years ago. Bro, he hadn't fought in the UFC since then. No, that's why. That's wild. I yeah, didn't even know yeah, he fought. yeah. Well, he had to completely restructure That's what I'm saying. Leg. I think he would hang it up after that. Nah, like, not I'm when done. you're a warrior, man. He came back, ultimately didn't get the decision Um, and, and got his leg fucking abused pretty much. <laughs> the guy couldn't, that dude Tavares did not stop kicking that uh, motherfucking that's leg. That's why you hang it up, dog. But that's like, why you, you have a compromised but, limb now. Everybody's going to go for that limb. But at least he knew that he could make it back, dog. You know what I mean? He made it back to yeah. the UFC and that shit was cool, yeah. man. Um, we also have to shout out the Spain's Women National team for winning the Women's World Cup. Uh, they beat England. Uh, to take their first ever women's national title. So now they've become one of the first countries to win both the Man, women's and, and women's. Yeah. Damn, that's pretty dope. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. yeah Another man. honorable mention. We got to shout out your boy, dog. Shout him out. My dog, Victor Hoffman, finally won one, dog. He finally got a fucking victory. Well, dog. he already won earlier this year. He won the Memorial in June. Yeah, but he got a good tournament, but, dog. But this, this, one, this one was an impressive one because he had one of the best Rounds nines ever. anybody's ever had in golf ever. I mean, he had two pars, seven birdies. He he found every fairway on the back nine. He was three shots back going into the back nine. Yep. And he ended up winning outright by, I think, a, shot, a stroke or two. But he, he it was just beautiful, the round that he put together in that back nine. Ultimately, ended up breaking the course record well, at Olympia. Right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that definitely needs to be mentioned. Honorable mention, you Absolutely. know, a guy that we know is beyond talented from that same class as, uh, you know, the, the same time as Sandra Shoffley and or Colin Morikawa and, and um Kent oh. Wolf, well, I forget his name, Matt Wolf, and yes. all that guy that we know has a skill, but you know hasn't put it all together, and he's getting hot at the right time going into the FedEx Cup. Absolutely, and but we all we always knew that Victor had this in him. Obviously, we always knew that he can be capable of playing this great in order to win, right? Not playing this great in the first day of the tournament or second day of the tournament. No, playing this great when it's crunch time, when you need to put on your best performance in order to walk away with the victory, regardless of the tournament. And to see Victor dominate like he did that course is is super impressive, man. And for me, it kind of felt... I felt like, yo, good for you, dog. You know what I mean? Like, good for you, Victor. I'm sure you got a lot of shit. I'm sure people around you in that golf community don't think you have what it takes or whatever or can be a real uh, threat to any of the top five in the world or anything like that. But this guy's game is really up there, dog, when he's on, man. It really is, dog. Yeah. He, you know? he bumped himself up in the rankings uh, for for the championship Absolutely. at Eastlake. And, uh, I mean, I think it's $10 million that's on the line. He got to make that paper. In some prime position. So gotta make that paper. If, uh, a, a guy that, that was second place that was leading the charge and, and Victor ended up stealing it from was Scotty Scheffler, who's the yes. only guy ahead of him right now. So it's going to be a good week this weekend. It's going to be a good one. Lock it in. Lock it in. Lock it up. Oh, you lock, you lock it up. No, let's lock this up. Let's lock this up. <laughs> let's man. lock this up, dog. But you know what we got to do? We got to tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell another friend. To go watch that 365 video. Woo-wee! That shit's only on Sports with So So YouTube channel. You hear me? What a game. Five on five. Wednesday night championship game was impressive. Shout out to Death Row. Shout out to, um, what's the other team? Come on. Shoot, if I could tell you it was like the Trappers or something. No, man. I don't Death know. Death Row, another team. Hitman. No, something man. Something like that. So- Cartel. I don't know, dog, but go watch the video. <laughs> tell a friend to tell a friend. Also, BKFC this Friday. Yes, sir. We're going to have our correspondents on site bringing you some content. Yes, sir. Shout out to GoGo, um, hometown talent. Hopefully that dude represents. And shout out to Bar- uh, Brian, too. El Gallo. We see you, my dog. Um, yeah, man. Go hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. And until next time, peace. peace.